we thank you. Watch over our young people. Allow them to have a, a joyous experience in you. Bless our teachers. Use them in a mighty way. We thank you for our kids being able to be present in worship, to be led into an experience and then led into your presence. Let that continue on upstairs in the classrooms. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, kids are headed out. <laughs> Trying to get that memo. <laughs> Family, um, I want to kind of lay out three examples. Uh, and I, I'll share a theme that cuts across all three. I think you'll, you'll get it quickly. Um, when I was in college, I remember doing some late night studying, studying late with some friends, and you start to, uh, that's just worship music, Pastor, that's all right. Um, <laughs> doing some late night studying, we're all kicking it, doing our thing, trying to get, get prepared for the test exams coming up, and you ate about 11 o'clock, maybe you ate about 8 o'clock, but now it's like 1.30 in the morning, and somebody comes through with two nice, fresh, hot pizzas. Ooh, it's one in the morning, but it feels like you haven't eaten all day because it's just like right on time. Can I get an amen? amen? Come on now. You had somebody bring those snacks when you was hangry studying, you know, and it was right on time. Maybe you was taking a walk. Some sisters met at the park, and, and everybody jumped, grabbed the strollers, started walking, and left the diaper bags in the car. You get to the other side, and now you got a situation that you need to handle, and you just happen to have a friend come with some baby wipes. That ain't been y'all. Nuh-uh. That's been me. Because y'all always had the wipes. For me, somehow I leave the wipes just in time for somebody to have to do what they got to do. But I'm blessed when somebody comes and says, I got you. I got you. There's been brothers. At times, we've had, had work projects. Sisters have been present, too. But I'm remembering one specifically where brothers got together to help at somebody's house in the community. Hot, hot day. And we work and we work and we work and then somebody comes up with some ice cold drinks. Hey, I see y'all working hard. Here you go. I hope you see across this, these three kind of examples is a thread of there being a really sincere felt need and somebody came to bless it. Somebody came to respond. Somebody came to meet that need. Today we're going to continue in our in our Romans excuse me in our evangelism series. We're going to be looking at the book of Romans chapter ten, and in our evangelism series, we're talking about some different ways in which God wants the world to know Him, and He might just want to use us. So we each week have been looking at the beauty of God's word, understanding who God is, and learning more about how He wants to use Him, how He wants to use us in his kingdom. So we are looking at Romans chapter 10. Because I want to share with you that I believe there's a very real need that's present and God wants to respond to that need. Romans chapter 10 
starting at verse 1. It says, brothers and sisters, my heart, oh, I'm sorry, uh, somebody with a pew Bible, what page is that? 1613 in the pew Bible. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Paul jumps out right in the beginning. I want you to know what my goal is, what my aim is. My aim is that you might be saved. And for us, I want to tell you that like Satan has been slick. Satan has been quick. Satan has been working hard to get you and I to stack other priorities above a person's salvation. If I can be honest, sometimes if I'm in a conversation with a person that I know doesn't love the Lord, I'm a little embarrassed to say, hey, what I really want is for you to know Jesus. Does that sometimes feel a little weird? Maybe it's just me. Sometimes it's easier to say what I really want is for you to be able to get a good job. Or what I really want is for you to be able to have physical healing. What I really want is for you to be able to, you know, have kids that act right. What I really... Those things are good. Those things are cool. We are people who want to see holistic living. We want to see someone experience shalom, but you can't have true shalom, uh, uh, a right of all things, a wholeness, a, a beautiful connectedness where all things are working in connection. You can't really have that without God at the foundation. But the world has made us think that we're the weird ones. Or that, that there's something kind of innately wrong when our longing is for someone to know Jesus. So Paul comes right out the gate with it. I want y'all to be saved. Why? Because in verse 9, or excuse me, in chapter 9, one chapter ahead, they are trying to do some, some religious type things and achieve this God, but they're trying to do it through their own strength. So he's going to break down to you, your own strength ain't good enough. Let me tell you how you can truly achieve wholeness in God. How you can achieve that wholeness. Continue with me. Verse 2. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. There have been times when, when, when you were really excited and, and like had this passion about something and it was the exact wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you can you can get zealous, you can get excited, you can be like hype about something. I remember when one of my friends almost got me into a big fight. He's telling me, hey man, let me tell you what they did to me. They played me, they did me wrong. Lee, you gonna help me? Yeah, let's go. Who did it? Who did it? Why'd y'all do this to Wait, we didn't do that at all, Leon. That's not what happened at all. He started everything. Let me, let me, let me, look, we got the text message, we got, oh. Like, zeal is not connected always to wisdom. 
Zeal is not rooted always in truth. You can be really excited about something and be dead wrong. So Paul is trying to illuminate to them, whoa, y'all are passionate. The way y'all are going for the law is crazy. Y'all are so zealous and you are building your foundation on the wrong thing. You're building it on your ability to live by the law. And the law was never intent or you could never fulfill all that the law expected. So if you were able to be perfect, then you might be able to achieve all these things that you hope for, but you can't. You can't experience perfection, and so you keep failing and failing and failing, and the law keeps showing you your failures, your failures and failures, and you're not achieving the relationship with God that you long for. See, zeal is not, it's not enough. And sometimes zeal can lead us in our evangelistic efforts to actually shrink back. It can be easier to talk to a person who seems like they are just kind of coasting in life. Maybe one of those people who says, "Um, I'm just kind of spiritual. Versus talking to a person who says, I am a Hebrew Israelite, say something. I'm a Muslim, say something. I'm Hindu, say something. Your faith is wrong. How dare you talk to me about Jesus? But see, we get warped in our mind into thinking that one person is further gone than the other. It's not the case. It's not the case because reaching that person is not dependent upon me and my smoothness, my greatness. Reaching that person is the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter, let me see where, Acts chapter 8, right? Acts chapter 8, if you could stay with your hand in Romans 10, but if you could slide over to Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 9. Acts chapter 8, verse 9. Anybody tell me what page that is in the Pew Bible? Say that again. 1562. Acts chapter 8, verse 9. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was somewhat great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and they exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. Does that sound like a zealot to you? That sound like somebody that's on fire for what they believe in? They, this dude's so on fire, everybody else agree with him. Yeah, look at him. Look what he did. He's shown us stuff. Yeah, he's the, he's the man. Then verse 12. But when they believed Philip, As he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Church family, zeal is not an indicator 
of, of, of someone not having potential to receive the gospel. And if I can be quite honest with you, zeal is actually a tool that other faiths use as, as, as something that attracts them to share their truth that they believe with folks. How do I, let me re-say that. Hebrew Israelites get really excited when there's a person that thinks they know a ton of knowledge. They want to follow the Muslim. They want to follow the Christian. They want to go after all these people who think they know a lot because they're like, oh, you can be zealous for that. If I can get you, you can really be zealous for this. It's attractive. Oh, you already have confidence. You already have, have a sense of thinking you know enough that you can, you can debate with somebody else. Great. If I can get that on my side, imagine what it could be. And sometimes we see it the opposite. We see it as, ooh, I could never have enough words to, to challenge that person. Or I could never have enough. Uh, see, we got the Holy Spirit. You don't need to be, to be super confident. You don't need to be, to be super well-versed. You don't need to be. All you need is to be willing to submit. Submit. I like that it, it didn't say, and oftentimes we hear of, of them like going in synagogues and having debates and things of that nature. Um, but verse 12 said, but when Philip proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, that's it. Proclaim the good news of the kingdom. That looks so, so beautifully different in this room. I mean, we have some friends that are that are no longer with us physically, but they are connected to us spiritually that they developed apps and and took their awareness of the gospel and helped develop apps to get to people to get the gospel to people. Like, I'm not saying every one of you need to be me and get up in front of a crew and start preaching the gospel. But I am saying God's wired you in a way that the gospel flows from you if you would allow it to. And it can pierce the heart of even the most zealous person that thinks today they don't want to love Jesus. But I'm only four verses in. Come on, y'all. Y'all ain't y'all trying to keep me too long. Come on. Verse five. Back to Romans chapter 10, verse five. When Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by law, the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down or will descend into the deep. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. I like this quote that this, this brother named uh, Robert Mounts uses to help break this down. He says, Moses said, the man who does these things will live by them. That is to say, if a person is able to perform all the law requires, it will lead to life. The problem lies in the fact that no one is able to live up to the requirements of the law. Although the law points us in the right direction, it provides no power to achieve its demands. He's, he's calling out, he's helping them see the error of their ways. I remember once, can't remember which kid it was. I don't know. I, I said, all right, when I come back, I need you to clean this up. Cool. I come back. I'm frustrated. 
because they ain't clean it up. But I was supposed to leave out the broom, the dustpan, the mop bucket, the, the, the clean, and I didn't leave them with any of the stuff they needed to clean it out, but yet still I expected them to fulfill the cleaning up. See, it's like, it's like, it's like it can be, the, the plan can be laid out, but if I'm not equipped with what I need, I'm going to fall short every time. And, and the law is telling us how to achieve connecting with God in a deeper way, but the law does not perfect us. The law does not equip us. Only Jesus Christ equips us to, to be anything pleasing in the sight of our Father. And their whole bent was, was, was based on their own strength and, and ability. But there's a new location for where that word is going to flow out. And it's not tablets, it's not scrolls, it's not pages of a book. It's going to be in the heart. Look with me in verse 8. Verse 8, what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart that the message concerning faith that we pro. Claim. Y'all, I want to I pause there because there's a few verses that like help us get that God's word dwells in us as he is in us. Deuteronomy, I need, you don't have to flip there. I'm going to throw these up on the, on the screen real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 14 says, no, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Jeremiah 31, 33 says this. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. It's a new way of life, not simply having just the law written down, but also having it written on their hearts. And then 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3 says, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. See, this is a spiritual thing we are inviting people into as we talk about the living God, as we talk about his kingdom. And what God does is he doesn't simply transform your understanding. He transforms your heart. So whatever hardness that is built up, whatever worldviews that have been built up, I'm not saying it doesn't take time. I'm not saying we don't need to be patient. I'm not saying we don't need to be loving. What I am saying, though, is there is, there is a hardness of heart that just gets melted away when the Holy Spirit says, and I want her, and I want him, and I'm going to have them know the beauty of who I am. Continue with me in verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Y'all, sometimes we see like words like confess or declaration, and, and we see what looks like equations, and it can turn us off. So you're saying that's all it takes, you just got to say these words and you good? For real, Pastor? Like, 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 hear me here that like, like this is a, it's, it's like, it's like an expression of what's inside just comes out. 
it's more it's more of a uh, of a of a overwhelming expression than like a confession to wrong. It's like it's like you can't contain it and keep it in no more. You just you got to tell folks. Uh, uh, some of y'all remember this when you were you were single. And when you were single, I'm just going to talk about me. When I was single, I didn't know, you know, who was going to be like the, the, the right option. And so like maybe I had a couple of like flirtatious things out there. You know, I don't know. You know, I see her. Hey, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like there, was, there was a way that I like carried myself that, that was, was uh, uh, respectable, but I also was single. So like you, God might work through us and we might be, God might work through us. I don't know. So I'm kind of like got my feelers out there, you know? But, 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 but then one, then one kind of grabbed my attention. And then I started, I started having these heart things going on inside the heart, and I wasn't, I wasn't out there like that no more. Now I'm starting to get excited. And what's excited inside me, nobody had to ask. I start telling people. So I'm at the grocery store, and, and you know, a lady like, can you pass me some grapes? Grapes? Don't you know I'm in a relationship? Can't be giving you grapes? Girl? I got me somebody now, you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like it, it just come out. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to force, it just flows. And, and, and that's what we're talking about here. This, this God, this, this declaration, this confession, it bubbles up inside. This God has grabbed my heart and I now want the world to know I'm taken. I'm taken. He is mine. See, our words get a chance to help people go along that journey. I won't give more credit to us than we deserve. It is not us. But it is the God in us that can allow the Lord to touch somebody's heart and set it on fire, y'all. Set it on fire. He does something within us. Continue me in verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There are many scriptures within the word that will help you communicate the beauty of God. I think this is one that helps your mind wrap around what salvation looks like. You may not walk a person through all of these things, but these four things are pretty important and help our minds be wrapped around what is God doing in this process. First, someone's heart actually believes. They believe that what has been said about God's kingdom is true. That belief changes how they view God and allows them to say, wait a minute, if I believe that, then the worldview that I've embraced all along about Jesus was wrong. I now accept a new view of Jesus. As I believe that he is Lord, as I believe that he is authority over all things, as I believe that my life should be submitted unto him, I now accept a new life, a new reality. And in doing so, I'm now justified before the Father. Not justified because of my acts, justified because of my belief in the one who is able to save. 
but I don't keep that contained. It's now bubbling up inside me and I can't help but share it. I can't help but let the world know how you let the world know and how I let the world know may be very different. I see some people and I'll be jealous. I'm like, ooh, they put the tattoo right there on the neck. Like, like right there? I want to do that. But I ain't going to never do that. <laughs> that ain't, that, that's not how I flow. And I'm dark-skinned, so ain't nobody going to see it. You know what I'm saying? But, 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 but how you do it and how you flow, like God is beautiful in it. But we profess our faith, and, and all of that is this beautiful, beautiful mixture of salvation. Some people are excited to tell. Some people are quick to confess. Some people want to declare. Some people are like, man, I can't believe I'm justified. If you knew my past, how did this happen? Like, like it's not always a linear flow. What does happen, though, is God is in the midst of this process, and he works in us. Continue with me in verse 11. Well, let, let me just say this also, that, that Paul, so this church is a church that's healthy. As far as we know, Romans was not like some of the other uh, written letters where people are in turmoil. This church at this time seems to be healthy. Paul is yet to go there. And what he's doing is communicating some just some doctrine, some stuff you need to know, some ways of doing life, some things that will be healthy for the church. And what he's piercing while he talks about salvation is to make sure you get that there's not different modes of salvation for different people. So the Israelites, y'all do this thing. Gentiles, y'all do this thing. No, 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 no. He's cutting right at the heart. There is no separation. We are one, and there is one way to Jesus. You can't experience Yahweh. You can't experience the Lord. You can't experience this supreme being, creator of all, without being justified. You can't do it without confession. You can't do it without understanding that you got to believe in who he is. There's no other way. And so as much as he's telling them the right way to do it, he's also shooting down all the wrong ways. Let that be the same for us. Because folks will tell you some things about how you can experience God, but if you don't find it here with belief, justification, confession, and salvation, it ain't getting them there. Verse 11, as Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, richly blesses us all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 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 Can you imagine that? That friend. Can you imagine that family member that seems so far from the Lord? Rejoicing in God? It's tough to believe that sometimes. When you look at their behaviors, you look at their actions, you look at how many times you try to share, try to share, try to share, and there is no fruit. It's one of the, how do I say, 
most like joyously difficult components of being a Mac member. In Mac, we talk about neighboring a lot because we believe that that is a response to what God would have for us, that we would love our neighbors well. Not only is it a commandment, but it's a way in which we get to flourish well in God. So we talk about it a lot. We believe it's a key component of what it means to like get to walk in the way God has made you. But as often as I say neighboring, you don't always see the fruit of that neighboring. You don't always see your neighbors like, yeah, thank you for sharing with me. Man, I needed prayer. Thank you for praying for me. Like, now, does it happen? Yeah. Do we have some successes? Yeah. Some folks are in this room because a neighbor talked with them. And hallelujah, like we, we, God is at work. But there's a steadfast component to what we do that at times can feel, i use the right word, can be heavy. It can be heavy to try to faithfully talk with somebody about the Lord and they not want to listen. It can be heavy when a person gives you the lip service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yup, yup. This Sunday, I'm really coming. Don't worry about it. I'll be there this Sunday. Don't, I, I know you told me 19 times. You ain't got to say it no more. I'm cool. I'm going to be here whenever you want to come. Come. Like, like, it's cool. It can be heavy when, when you see what the remedy for a person's life is. Not that you got all the answers, but you know Jesus offers a love, a compassion, a patience that's different than what they're experiencing in their home, and yet they keep rejecting it. It could be heavy. But God calls us, y'all, to continue to be faithful. He calls us to continue to share the beauty of who he is with people. And get this in a way where people never experience shame. Not shame from us. Sometimes conviction happens. Sometimes they feel a, 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 uh, a sadness for the way that their lives may have grieved God or grieved others, but not a shame. I love the song that they picked today because it lined right up with what we were preaching on. But all of this beauty can happen, y'all, all of this can be true, but there's a key component God wants to use for us. Look with me in verses 14 and 15. We went to the, this conference, uh, CCDA, Christians and Community Development Association, and uh, just equipped with a lot of like gospel-centered things, um, people that are also serving in the, in the posture and heartbeat that we serve in. So it's good to be around your people sometime. Um, and then, then the last pastor that actually preached, and there's all types of different leaders, not all pastors. Last one preached, he said, uh, don't, don't, don't get, don't, don't, basically, when the pastor said, this is my last point, don't believe him. And I was about to do that. I was like, I ain't going to even say it. Mm-mm. <laughs> let, me do, let me be honest. I got 29 more points for you. See, and then I, no, no, I got y'all. Verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 
How beautiful are the feet of those that bring wipes when you need them. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring food when you're hungry. How beautiful are the feet are those that bring refreshing drink when you're thirsty. See, so he's saying that, that, that this is a quote from Isaiah, and, 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 and in Isaiah, the people of God had a messenger coming to them to say, guess what? The bondage that you guys were in, you're no longer in. Freedom is coming. It's on the way. Get ready to receive it. And this entire verse is first 14 and 15 is trying to convict us, trying to pull at our heartstrings to say, as Christians, we see the need. As Christians, we know someone is struggling. As Christians, the need can be quite clear. Not that we have all the answers, but we got a good one. And it's Jesus's kingdom. Will we share it? Knowing that it can revolutionize someone's life, knowing that it can transform somebody's heart, knowing that their entire future can be shifted if they were to hear. If they had someone present so they had an opportunity to believe. Why? Because what you're doing is good. It is meeting a felt need. And though the world or Satan may get you to thinking that you're doing something wrong, no, no, no. Actually, you're coming with beautiful feet. You're coming, bringing forth a a response to a felt need that all of humanity has. It is a beautiful understanding of God's kingdom. Church family, I'm grateful for you. Y'all love God, and we are learning how to love him more. One of the ways we do that is by responding to these questions. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? You love God. Consider yourself sent. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our hearts, drawing us to yourself, and, Lord, what you are doing through us so that you may love, touch, and affect other people's hearts. We know that your kingdom, your kingdom is beautiful, your kingdom is majestic, Your kingdom lives upside down. The first or last, Lord. The marginalized are loved well. Those that are prideful are made low. The humble and meek are lifted high. Father, would you allow that kingdom to be ushered in to to our reality through the sharing and telling of your story with others. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.